Amen. Thank you, ladies. Well, good morning. Warm enough? Thanks for being here, by the way. It's cold outside. I'm glad. I, I told somebody in the hallway, I said, you know what? When you're the pastor, you're thinking, man, it'd be nice to sleep in and just kind of, I get it. But thanks for being here. I, I appreciate you coming. Uh, if you've got a Bible, would you grab it, please, and turn to the book of Romans. Um, if you are visiting with us for the first time, we have been walking through this series, this book, if you will, um, well, since January 15th when, when I started it. And so for the last uh, 36 weeks, uh, we've been walking through this book verse by verse, letter by letter. Uh, so today marks the 37th sermon. And uh, today is, I, I want to go back through each week, all 36. I'm just kidding, I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> uh, we have a short text today. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper today. I, I make comments sometimes, short text. I was joking to Charlie earlier, it's going to be a shorter sermon. And he kind of looks at me like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, <laughs> But it's true, it's going to be a little shorter, um, but I'm excited about what God has for us today. So um, as I go back, as you turn to Romans 16, and we'll read our text in just a minute, I just wanted to kind of go back, because I was reflecting back when we started this. I shared a quote, a couple at the very beginning of this series. Um, a guy by the name F.F. Bruce said this, There is no telling what can happen when the people of the church begin to study the epistle of Romans. Tim Keller said this book of Romans is the most sustained explanation of the heart of the gospel and the most thrilling exploration of how the gospel, how, how the gospel goes to work in our hearts. I love this book. Uh, many argue that this, of all the books of the Bible, they're all amazing, all inspired by God, all very important, all, all equally important. But many look at Romans as one of the most powerful, influential books, letters, if you will, ever, ever written. And so when you think about this, how do you end... A letter like this. How do you end something that is so powerful, so doctrinally sound, so gospel-oriented, so, so powerful? Well, you end it the same way you started it. Paul has been writing to this church of people that he loves, hasn't been there, and he's going to bring to a conclusion through a doxology or a benediction, if you will, in a culmination of the gospel he wants them to remember. And what I hope to do today, as we're about to stand to read our text, is to celebrate that. Remember this and then we're going to move forward um, with the Lord's Supper in just a minute. So if you would stand together, let's read our text as we do every week. Romans chapter 16, we'll look at it 25 through 27. Let's read this, we'll pray, and we'll see what God has for us today. Romans chapter 16, verse 25. Paul ends this beautiful letter by saying this, Now to him who is able to establish you by the gospel... And the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long, for long past ages. But now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings. By the command of the eternal God so that all nations might believe and obey him. To the one and only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ Amen. Let's pray together. If you would, just take a moment. We're going to pray at the end of this as well, but just we do this every week. Just give yourself a little time and space. Um, just listening to everybody sing. It's just, it's just been beautiful this morning hearing us sing about God is so good. But let's be honest, there's lots of things in this world that would want to rob us of that. So wherever your heart is at, maybe good, bad, uh, maybe things ahead of this week are crazy, maybe you've had a great week, great weekend. Wherever you're at, would you just take about 30 seconds and just be still, and listen to him, ask him to do something great in your heart if that's what you want, and then we'll move forward.
God, we're so grateful to be here. Um, may I and may we collectively never take it for granted of this privilege to come into this room and this space and time as we talk about it, this gathered worship, this corporate worship setting, and may we never take it for granted. As we get to gather with brothers and sisters and sing songs to you, songs about you, and open up the word and celebrate the gospel today. Meet us where we're at, do something fresh, something great, something new. Remind us yet again and again and again of your love and devotion to us and this good news and this gospel that we celebrate every day and every moment through the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows as your people. We ask this because we believe it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, I'm not going to do a 36-part review, but I just want to say a couple things. If you'll notice, uh, we're going to go right through this. It's going to go rather quickly. But then these, these last couple of verses, these last three verses, if you will, if you're a, an English teacher, would hate this, this, this last couple of scriptures because it's one long run-on sentence. If you'll notice, you can go back and look at it. It's just one run-on sentence that goes all the way through. Three verses, one sentence. English teachers probably kind of freak out a little bit because it kind of just keeps going and going and going. But we're just going to kind of walk through this together. I want us to catch a couple of powerful truths today because Paul is going to wrap this thing up, celebrate the gospel, but I want you to see what he's going to do. He's going to talk about this reminder from Paul, from him, that God is able, he will strengthen you, he will establish you, he can, he is able, he is able, and he is able. And I think everybody in this room or listening online will understand there are times in life where we need to be reminded that God is able. He is able, he is able. Whatever that means for you, whatever you need from him, he is able. But I want you to look at, look at verse 25. This is this powerful reminder of the gospel. Look at the first part of 25 as Paul wraps this thing up. Now to him, to him who is able to strengthen or establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ. Let's stop there for just a minute. What, what does Paul say here? Just think of this through this lens of this culmination of this long book, 16 chapters before they were even added. Just long, long writing. And he wants them to be reminded that God is able. Yes, he will save you. Praise God. He will save you, but he will also sustain you. Let me say that again. He will save you, but he will sustain you. Did you see the words he says, depending on your translation, he will strengthen you, he will establish you? Now, let be honest, we're singing songs about God, you're so good, and I was just sitting there thinking about so much in life can happen to just knock that foundation off. When Travis was praying about the foundation, it's so easy sometimes to, to find ourselves looking for something else to stand on. Paul is wanting this church to understand who's go through conflict and trials and, and all these things that God, yes, will save you, but he is the God who sanctifies you and sustains you as well. Do you believe that? Because here's what the thing is, this reminder that the gospel is not just the entry point to the Christian life. It's also the way that we grow and we enjoy Jesus in this life. Let me say that again. The gospel is not just the entry point where you pray a prayer, you get saved, you live a good life, you hope, and then in the end you hope you've done enough good, maybe a little less bad. We don't believe in works here, but you hope you got enough to, to make it. Paul says we need to understand that the gospel is not just the entry point. J.D. Greer says this. He says the gospel is not just the diving board off which we jump into the pool of Christianity. It's the pool itself. Now let me explain it because sometimes in the local church we can be very bad about celebrating the gospel of just wanting the people to jump off the diving board. Just get saved. Pray a prayer. That's all we want, right? 
But then the rest of our lives, whether we implicitly believe or practice that, we, we start to think those things because the gospel becomes something of just salvation. And if we're not careful in my life, maybe not yours, we can find ourselves just thinking, I can try to navigate myself and grind through this thing. I just want you to see this and hear this, that Paul is trying to tell this guys, yes, Romans 1.16, when he says, I'm not ashamed of the power of the gospel, but it is the power that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile, it's on your screen. But Paul is also trying to, guys, hey, this gospel will sustain you. Question, does anybody in this room need to hear that? Maybe, maybe your life's great for you. Does anybody need to be reminded that, yes, God sent Jesus Christ to come and ransom and redeem all of mankind, but if pray a prayer and go back to life and just have a job, make a few bucks here and there, have some kids, hopefully they pray a prayer too, and just live your life aimlessly wandering. I guess the better question would be this. Do you believe that the gospel, I'm going to talk about that in just a minute, the good news of Jesus, that it affects your day-to-day, the grind of life, the highs and the lows, when things, not if, but when things come in and crash in on you and you have to find yourself realizing, what am I standing on? I think that's the heart behind Paul's words here. Yes, God will save you. It is the power of salvation. Romans 1, we just talked about it. He started this whole book. But that's not all. Like a, like, like a, like a what do you call it, those, um, those salesmen on TV. But there's, wait, there's more. I want to just be clear this one. Let's be reminded that the gospel is not just for salvation. Yes, but does it affect your day-to-day life? Moms and dads in the room, Pray for your kids. Maybe some of your kids have come to faith in Christ and you're, some of you are still praying for. Do we still earnestly want the gospel to take root in their life, to change them and shape them and mold them? Not just that we get them saved and we think, okay, we're good, let's go back to life. This is the, the heartbeat here. But look at what Paul says. He, he's going to qualify this with two things. Yes, this is the, the, the gospel that will sustain you. It will establish you. But look what he says, two things. In accordance with my gospel, at the end of verse 25, and the message I proclaim about Christ. He gives these two measures, if you will, which is the strength, the sanctifying work that, that, that he's talking about. He calls it my gospel, and this is not Paul being possessed, saying this, like it's mine, it's mine. He's talking about something that, that he's been proclaiming. It means it's the gospel that he's been preaching. It's the gospel that's been given to me. Now, if you know Paul's story, Galatians chapter 1 says the message he received was not from any man. Galatians 1.12, Paul had an encounter with Jesus in Acts chapter 9, and Jesus himself spoke to him and, and changed him. So what Paul is saying is this gospel that I've been preaching, that I've tried to, to get you to understand, to be established, man, it, this, is, this is my gospel. It's personal for him. Not just possessive, but no man, no man came up to Paul and said, let me tell you about Jesus. He had a direct revelation from Jesus himself. That's why he was a capital A apostle. Changed him forever. The second thing is that he talked about this, this preaching in accordance with my gospel and the message I proclaim about Jesus. Okay, we, we preach. We preach Christ crucified, Christ risen. Jesus, fully God, fully man, came to ransom and redeem all mankind. He was the final lamb who shed his blood to pay the debt that we could not pay for ourselves. This world that is broken by sin, he created it perfectly, but entered the world through Adam and Eve. God, in his love and devotion to us, stepped in, in Christ, to redeem us. This is what Paul is trying to get the church to remember at the end. Yes, the gospel can save you, but it will sustain you. It is the establishment of who 
we are. But here's the indictment for the church. I'm going to ask you this if you're a follower of Christ. Some of you may be giving your life to Jesus a long time ago, but I'm talking about the day-to-day grind. When things don't go your way, when you have anxiety and stress and worry and things change in your life, we find out real quickly that we need the gospel to be more than just a, a sinner's prayer, which you're not even going to find in the Bible. There's no magical prayer like we want to think. That we, just a pray a prayer, get baptized, go back to life, but we find ourselves in, the, in these moments of life where our, 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 our security gets kicked out from underneath us and we find out that we need a God who will establish us, that he will strengthen us. And if that is you today, then step into this. If that's not you right now, then maybe the time will come when you need to be reminded that the gospel is more than just for salvation. It is indeed, but it is also for him to sanctify you and establish you and to strengthen you. That's what Paul wants these guys to understand. He goes on, and he's going to talk about this. Look at the end of verse 25 here. He says this. Now, yes, to him who is able to strengthen you, establish you, according to my gospel, this much is that I've been proclaiming or preaching and teaching. But look, look at this. This is cool. In keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long past ages. Let's go ahead and finish 26. But now is revealed, made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God. So that all the Gentiles might come, or all the nations might come, to the obedience that comes from faith. Stop there. I think this part is amazing, and just to kind of real quickly go through this before we kind of move on and celebrate the gospel and take the Lord's Supper together, I just want us to to rest here, because what is he talking about? He's talking about this mystery, this mystery that he's proclaiming, it's it's been hidden. Everybody in this room, we all love secrets. You love to know, like if it's a surprise party, you love to be in the know. Like you love to be the person that says, I know something you don't know. I'm not talking about gossip, so chill out. Calm down for just a second. I'm talking about when you know that there's a surprise, like my in-laws came and they celebrated on Thursday and came to the kids' games and stuff like that. Like we are, the secret got out. But just those fun things of surprises when you, you know something that somebody else doesn't know. This mystery that's been hidden and is now being revealed. What is this mystery that Paul's talking about? This mystery hidden for long ages is now being revealed through these prophetic writings at the command of the eternal God. It's now being made known. He's talking about the coming of Christ. And in verse 26, he talks about this revealed through the prophetic writings. The Old Testament scriptures talk about the Messiah to come. He's going to come. He's going to ransom. He's going to redeem. He's going to bring the new covenant that we're going to celebrate. By the command of God himself, I love this because it is God's idea. It is from the divine will of God himself to redeem and rescue. It shows the heart of God, his sovereignty, his divine plan. What started with salvation for the Jews, and we talk about chapter 11, it is now us as Gentiles are grafted in, in this new covenant in Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. But what's this mystery? This mystery that's hidden, and sometimes we think it's, well, it's just Jesus coming, but I want to be crystal clear on this because Ephesians chapter 3, Paul answers the question, and it's not exactly what we might think. This mystery is not just that Jesus was going to come, but he was specifically going to come for the Gentiles. That's us. Anybody in this room, Jewish, Theonic Jew, completed Jew? I don't think so. If you are, let's have lunch. I'd love to hear your story. Most of us in this room, if not all of us, we come, we are grafted in, chapter 11, we are grafted in to the root of Israel. But look at what Paul says in Ephesians 3. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me. That is, catch this, the mystery made known 
to me by revelation, as I've already been, have written briefly. In reading this, you'll be able to understand my insight into this mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in my generations, as it is now being revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery, to be crystal clear, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together with one body, sharing together the promises in Jesus Christ. So the, this mystery that's been hidden, the Old Testament, we think about all the scriptures that talk about the Messiah to come. Who is it? They're still, Jewish people are still waiting for it. Paul is telling this, guys, this mystery has been hidden. It's now being revealed through the prophetic writings, through the coming of Jesus Christ, so that we, us Gentiles, us non-Jewish people, can be saved. What a, what a beautiful picture of, of the gospel that, that God has done this all by his divine plan, his divine sovereignty, and he wants them to be reminded to see this gigantic redemption story. It's not an accident. It's not, so what are we going to do? We need a Messiah. We need this. It is all part of the plan. When God, through the creation of all things, even we go back to the Old Testament and the prophetic writings of looking to the Messiah, for those that were there, they didn't know. It was purposely hidden. It was kept back from them. God didn't allow that to be known. But now through the prophets and the apostles, they start preaching, teaching, talking about Jesus. It's coming. He's coming. We have it all before us because we get to see this whole thing. And what Paul is wanting them to remember, excuse me, and to realize is it's all part of God's plan. The generations in the past didn't know, but God hadn't revealed it. Then the prophet spoke. God spoke his word into existence. And this mystery that once was hidden for long ages, it's being revealed and made known. So this gospel, this good news, I'm going to hammer this down a couple of times and then we're going to Take the Lord's Supper to this. I, I just want to rem just remember that Romans chapter 3, when Paul is saying that there is a righteousness that is made known to us that is apart from the law. Romans 3.22 says this righteousness is given through faith in Christ Jesus to all, that's us, Jew, Gentile, to all who believe. There's no difference between Jews and Gentiles because why? We've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And we are all justified freely by the grace to the redemption that came through Jesus Christ because God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. And he did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left committed beforehand unpunished. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness at that present time so as to be just as the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 11, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may become conceited. Israel has to experience a hardening of the heart until the fullness of the Gentiles have come in. We talked about this a long time ago. And in this way, all of Israel will be saved. As is written, look at this, this prophet foretelling. I just talked about that. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn, uh, turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. See, Paul quoted right there, Isaiah 59, about this Messiah, this, this mysterious foretelling of what's to come. See, that's the heartbeat about Paul's letter to these people that he loves that he hadn't even met yet. If you were here a couple weeks ago, I gave you a lot of crazy names, and Paul's talking about people that he's met along the way that are now in Rome. And by the time he gets there, he's going to be in chains. He's going to have a couple of shipwrecks. He's going to have life that's going to seem a little uncertain. And he's going to appear, he's going to get there in chains. 
And I love this, this parental, if you will, this, this heartbeat of a, like a spiritual father that Paul writes to these guys. He wants them to understand that the gospel is not just the entry point to get saved. That the gospel will sustain you, it will establish you in, in this whole gigantic redemptive story of God with this mystery of Christ that's been hidden and is now being foretold by the prophets and the apostles. And now we, in the New Testament, we get to read about it. We get to see the whole story. This is the gospel. Tim Keller puts it this way, that Jesus is the one who is now being made known as his, as his people declare him to be the fulfillment of the prophetic writings. Catch this. The gospel is Jesus Christ, the rescuer and the ruler. And I love this part. And he was predicted, he has been revealed, and he's now being proclaimed. That's important because, stay with me, I'm almost done. It is important because that's what happens. He was predicted. He was revealed. He has been revealed. And now we get to proclaim him. That's what we're doing right now. That's what we do in Sunday school. That's what you do in your Bible study. That's what you do when you sing praise songs. We get to proclaim him and worship him. And that leads, look at your Bible, verse 27. It leads to the concluding last verse, this culmination of this last thing, of this gigantic run-on sentence. Verse 27. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. The sola deo gloria, the, 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 the glory alone be for God alone through Jesus Christ. And that's why we gather. That's why we come here. That's why we do what we do. Can I hit pause for just a minute and tell you that's why we come into this space and time and do it? It's to remember. I don't, I don't typically plug books quite a bit, but I'm going to do this. And I told Charlie, don't freak out. It's not in the notes. Even this morning, I'm going to share this with you. Um, this is a good book. Uh, it's Sunday Matters. It's, it's weekly devotions to prepare your heart for worship. I was reading this morning. It's not in the notes, Charlie, so okay. But I want to share this with you, and then I'm, we're going we're gonna to conclude. And I was just convicted this morning of why we gather. Why we gather when it's cold. Why we gather when it's nice. Why do we gather in this room and sing songs about him and to him? It's because of who he is. It's because that he is establishing us and sustaining us. And we gather in this room to be reminded, and may we never take it lightly. Paul Tripp says this. It's called Sunday Matters by Paul Tripp. I'd love to get this in your hands and if, you want, if you're interested. But listen to what he says. The gathering of the church is not an assembly of the religiously independent. People celebrating our successes, all dressed up and parading ourselves before one another and before God. No, the church is a gathering of the needy, the weak, the broken, and the confused. Amen? Is that just reading my mail in front of you? Okay. But, but we are eternally loved and accepted by the one we worship and entrust ourselves to. We gather because we're not okay, and we need to be rem remember that God is for us, in us, and with us because he is. We have a glorious hope and help in our time of need. Now hear this. The regular gathering, this was just this morning, the regular gathering of the church is an assembly of God's needy children. The gathering is, is, is welcome to on our pride, our self-sufficiency, our delusions of independent strength, our fear of what others may think, our self-righteousness, and to humbly open our hearts, confessing our need once again to the one who has the power and the willingness to help. Sustain. Establishment. That's what Paul's promising them. He will sustain you. He will establish you. We gather, we gather once again to be reminded of how this willing God meets us. 
He meets us with his mercies that are new, with his boundless love, with his infinite wisdom, with his incalculable power, his exhausting grace. And because he does, we don't need to feel to let fear, guilt, shame paralyze us. I know that I need the reminder again and again. So this Sunday, church, I read this. So this Sunday, we gather with our needy brothers and sisters. Lift up your hands in faith and reach out to the Father's help. Drink in all the reminders in song and in the word that he is good, kind, loving, and faithful. And with a joyful heart, remember one more, once more that he cares about his children. He will never turn his back on our needs. Now, you might get a discount because I read part of a chapter to you if you want to. I'm just kidding. That's what Paul's saying. God is not just here to save you. He establishes you. And we gather on Sundays. That's what this is all about. We come in here to remember. We don't just come to sing songs and do this and just kind of do things out of habit. We come to remember that we have a God who brings salvation. But he obviously, as Paul said, he will establish you. and He will uphold you. Does anybody need to hear that today? Because I do. We sang a song about it a while ago, and then we're going to pray, and I'm going to call the deacons forward. To God be the glory. The lyrics, to God be the glory, great things he has done. And so loved he the world that he gave us his son who yielded his life in atonement for sin. He opened the, the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord. Give him glory. Verse 27. Sola de gloria. Give him praise. Give him glory. That's the response of a heart that has been changed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. And the invitation of that song is the invitation today. Come to the Father through Jesus the Son. Give him glory. Give him glory for the great things that he's done. I close with this and then we're going to pray. I have an invitation for you and I have an offer for you. Now I sound like a car salesman, okay? The invitation is this. Come to Jesus, whatever that is. If you're feeling unsettled, come to Christ. If you're feeling like your, your life is just kind of all over the place, come to Christ. Come to him. You might be saved, and you probably are, but come to him for the security and the establishment that he can give. Paul just said he will secure you, he will establish you, he will strengthen you, and he will uphold you in this gospel. But the offer is this. I'm about to give you about two minutes. It's going to seem like an eternity. Nobody's going to say a word to you. We're not singing a song. But before we take of the cup, before we take of the bread, I'm going to give you about two minutes. The deacons already know this. I'll call them down. It's going to seem like an eternity. But I'm going to ask you, offer you to do some business with the Lord where you're at. If you want to come down, if, you, if you've got sins to confess, maybe relationships are struggling, maybe life is unsettled, you're just kind of really struggling in the faith, or maybe life's great for you. I'm going to give you and offer you two minutes to be still and to listen and to respond. If it's to come down and pray, pray. If it's to grab Dev or me, come pray. If it's to sit there and get on your, on your knees at your, in your pew and just pray, pray. But I ask and offer you a chance to prepare your heart because if you are like me, there are times in life where I celebrate the gospel for salvation, but I need to be reminded that we have a God, as Paul writes about, he will uphold you, he will strengthen you, and he will be there for you. That is why we gather. So if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second. This time is yours. About two minutes just to be still. I promise you, if you want to get up, people will move. We're kind of light today anyway, they'll move. If you just want to sit there and be still and just pray and don't say a word and just receive, that's great. Do you, you do what, what God calls you.
if I can pray for you, if her death can pray for you, that's great, come on down. You just enjoy this moment with nobody instructing you, you and the Lord, and then I'll call the deacons down and we'll take the cup. 